Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We welcome in the voice of the New York Jets. He is Bob Wischusen. First thing right off the top, Bob, uh, I got to ask, what the heck are you doing outside? It's cold, man. I know. I didn't want to sit in my car. I'm like at the, the high school where I'm waiting for kid three of five to come out, take him to his doctor's appointment. So it's just better to be outside. It's not terrible out, actually. It's pretty, It's you know, for this time of year, it's not bad. Yeah. Well, I have relatives that live in Florida. and They say it's 45 degrees. <laughs> So every, everything is relative, right? There's a reason people live in Florida. Yeah. Well, here's the, right off the top. Right as we speak, if you look down the roster of the New York Jets, would you see the starting quarterback come training camp in August? That's a great question. I, I would. I think it's a coin flip um, because all of the guys that they could conceivably go out and get come with either a major price tag or their own question marks. Um, their roster is good enough to win. That, that's the one thing I think they proved this year. Like their defense is good enough. I think they'll add a couple of pieces on offense on certainly on the offensive line. Uh, but when Elijah Vera Tucker and Brees Hall are healthy, they're good enough. Um, you know, everybody keeps asking me, well, what do you think they're going to do with Zach Wilson? And I, you know, I mean, you've been around this for 50 years. So like, you know, you probably would have thought as well, but my thought is when your roster is good enough to win, it's really hard to continue with an experiment at quarterback. But having said that, if you look literally 50 yards down the hallway inside the same stadium at the other locker room and flash back to two years ago, Giant fans were done with Daniel Jones. Done. They wanted right. him out. Right. He had like 11 touchdown passes in 14 games. He was a turnover machine. It's not going to work. He's never going to be able to do this. And to be fair, their frustration was reflected by the organization itself. They didn't give him a fifth-year option. I mean, they basically put him into a prove-it situation this year. And now he's made his mistakes. He's learned. He's been coached. He's matured. Now he's in his fourth year. How's he look? Is there a Giant fan out there that right now, all of the same Giant fans that would have kicked him to the curb two years ago, want him to be re-signed and be their starting quarterback? So when you have a player like Zach Wilson at what has always traditionally been a developmental position, you kick him to the curb after two years, 
don't know, like four years in, I bet the I bet the Panthers re-signed Sam Darnold with the way he played over the last three or four games. I bet the Seahawks re-signed Geno Smith. So, you know, it's it's hard, and I get it. The the like instant coffee, like I want it right now world that we live in, uh, especially when the roster proved it's good enough. But quit on Zach Wilson at your own peril, I guess, is kind of the moral of the story of all these other quarterbacks that have proven that what everybody in the fan base and the media thought about them in year two or year three might have been wrong. Bob, let's talk about uh, the offensive side of the ball. Uh, And obviously there's been a change at offensive coordinator. We don't know who the new offensive coordinator is as of this moment. Um, But uh, it seems pretty clear that Robert Sala is going to have the sign off on, on whoever it is becomes how much of a of a factor is Woody Johnson? How much how much of what how big a role does the owner of the team? It seems like a silly question. He's the owner of the team. How big a role does he have and how important is his input? Yeah, I, I think he would obviously have to okay any hire because he's the one paying him. Um, you know, so ultimately that contract goes to have has to go across his desk. But I think he will give one hundred percent hiring authority for that job to Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. And I'm sure that is the daily discussion in the building right now. They've already brought a couple of people in for interviews, and I think that will continue. And obviously, you know, you want to have that position decided in short order because you want to prep for the draft and and make the offseason decisions you have to make in concert with whoever that, that coordinator is. But, yeah, I don't think Woody Johnson is going to veto. I mean, if Joe Douglas and Robert Sala come to him and say, this is the guy, he's going to absolutely say, okay, like you, you're, you're the football people, hire who you think we ought to hire. I look at the defense, and it's had a really good year. Sauce Gardner has made an impact in his rookie year. Uh, you, you look at the other contributing factors there have been to the defense. So the job is, how did this team go from seven and four to losing their last six games in a row and you look particularly at the last three games where not a touchdown was scored. So uh, if, if anything signaled the end of LaFleur, it was the last three games for sure. Let's forget about what's happened in the past. Going forward, I always hear the same stuff, uh, the same old Jets. Well, they're not. And, and I give uh, Joe Douglas a lot of credit for last year's draft. You look at the players that came out of last year's draft, not only Sauce, but the the uh, particular uh, performance by Wilson on the outside, a lot of good things happen. So what are the Jets looking for in this year's draft? What's their biggest priority? Their they're two biggest offseason questions are going to be answering the question at quarterback. Do you believe that Zach Wilson actually can't do this? Or is this just a second-year player going through second-year things? at the most difficult position, arguably, in sports. Um, And then you have to – they need a much more consistent, durable, dependable offensive line. I mean, I think that the injury to Elijah Vera Tucker was kind of a freak injury. Um, But, you know, they had – I mean, they played eight different tackles. If you count Mm. Makai Beck going down in training camp because he was a projected starter, he never played during the season. He was scheduled to. Um, you count him plus seven guys rotated through tackle during this. You can't have that. You can't play eight tackles and four quarterbacks 
I mean, to me, that all almost speaks to how talented the rest of the team is, that they played four different quarterbacks and eight different tackles and got to the second last weekend of the regular season still in a position where they were basically winning their in. So your defense has to be pretty good, and your receivers have to be pretty good. Um, you know, your tight ends have to be pretty good, all of that, for you to get to that spot. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think last year's class and the year before, the last two draft classes, if you add them all up, have been home runs for Joe Douglas. He has totally flipped the roster, but two years ago, the second pick in the draft was Zach Wilson. And ultimately, that draft will be probably graded on that guy. Um, so, you know, they have to figure out quarterback. They have to shore up the offensive line. If they answer both of those questions, though, this offseason and the rest of the team, the same team, comes back and plays the same way that they did this year, they'll not only be a playoff team, but they'll be a nasty opponent the postseason, you know, when they get there. But, you know, answering the quarterback question and kind of reshaping or re restructuring your offensive line is easier said than done. He's Bob Wischusen, the voice of the New York Jets. Look, when I uh, was broadcasting the JIT games before you, uh, 1998 sticks out in my mind when Bill Parcells was the coach and uh, and the Jet, Jet team went to the AFC Championship and turned it over in the second half against Denver. Otherwise, they might have. I thought they were the best team of the Final Four. But that yeah. was then. This is now. And now you, you're looking at a National Football League that, and I hate the word balance, but, but it is balanced. There's, there's not one team that stands out and says, this is the team to beat for the Super Bowl. If I were to forecast, I'd say in the NFC, Philadelphia and San Francisco. In the AFC, Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, that, that would seem to be the odds-on favorites. But <laughs> after what I watched last night and a great quarterback like Tom Brady, that was probably as bad as I've seen Tom Brady. And probably, yeah. as, and probably as good as I've seen Dak Prescott. Yeah, and look, I mean, it, it's always been about the quarterback. But maybe Tom Brady at this point will think about it finally, like Father Time has finally caught up with him. I don't know. But look in the AFC. I mean, that's, that's the world the Jets live in. Look at the four quarterbacks that are left, right? Trevor Lawrence, number one pick in the draft. Joe Burrow, number one pick in the draft. Uh, Allen and Mahomes, both first-round draft choices, and all of them young. So if you're going to win and you're going to have sustained success you're going to spend the next however many years going up against those four guys, one of them in your own division. I mean, you better have an answer at that position yourself. You know, now, is that answer Lamar Jackson? Would they break the bank for Lamar Jackson and bring him in? Um, you know, that's, that's a 50-plus million-dollar-a-year contract, I would assume, for Lamar Jackson. Uh, is Derek Carr a long-term solution? I mean, I think Derek Carr's an underrated player. But is he one of those four guys? Could he be one of those four guys? And that means shutting the door on Zach Wilson. If you go out and make a move for one of those. I mean, I do think that they are an attractive destination for one of those other players. I do think that if a, a Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson, and obviously Derek Carr knows he's out. And he's already said goodbye to Vegas. He like penned the goodbye letter to the fans. That right. handwriting was ball with two weeks ago in the regular season. If it does turn out Lamar Jackson leaves Baltimore and you look at the teams that would be in the bidding for those two players, what team would have a better young core of talent to offer up to say, hey, man, look, look at this group that you could come be surrounded by 
This is a real team. You you'd absolutely have a chance to make a run with a really good young team. We get you, and we spend our draft putting an offensive line in front of you, and our guys that are really good come back healthy next year. We, we can do this. And that's, I think, a pitch that's sellable to one of those guys if you're sitting in the room on the visit. Um, are you willing to close the door on Zach Wilson? You drafted him second. So to me, it's a fascinating decision that they have to make. And ultimately, it is the decision that will shape the careers of the coach and the general manager. I'm going to give you a mulligan. If Brees Hall doesn't get hurt, yep. how, how much further ahead would the Jets have been? They would have been a playoff team. I think he and Vera Tucker both going down in the same game within plays of each other, just shy of the midpoint of the season. They would have been a playoff team if those two guys stayed healthy the whole year. That's how important they were. Because they had a, if you go back to what they were when those two guys got hurt, they had a formula, right? They minimized the quarterback. They, they basically played the same way in front of Zach Wilson that the teams from, you know, a dozen years ago played in front of Mark Sanchez. You know, throw the ball when you have to, make the occasional play. You're not going to have to throw the ball more than 22, 23 times a game because we are going to run it down the other team's throat and we are going to bully you and we're going to be the more physical team. And, you know, and that's just, that's our formula. That's where we're going to play. The quarterback obviously was asked to do a lot more on his own once those two, once those two guys got hurt. I, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting and, and, and watching the games in the playoffs right now, Bob, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I heard one guy say, and I, I don't remember which commentator said it on ESPN, but a roundtable discussion. And one guy said, well, you know, what's Tom Brady's future destination? And one of the mentions was the Jets. And I thought there was something <laughs> wrong with my hearing. Uh, there is, I mean, I can't think of a more bizarre ending for Tom Brady to wind up as quarterback of the Jets. I mean, I think it's totally ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you know, if he decides to leave Tampa and wants to play one or two more years, then it seems ridiculous that an organization would say, we're just flat out not interested. But you have to think from a PR standpoint, if there's one organization that might say that, <laughs> it would right. be the Jets. That's a tough sell to Jet fans. And you know what the other thing, too, is, and I'm not sure if Tom Brady cares one lick about this, you leave New England, you go to Tampa. I mean, is your legacy hurt a little bit breaking up with Bill Belichick? I guess a little bit going down and winning a Super Bowl with someone else. But can you think of a more innocuous place to go for Tom Brady if he's going to leave New England and not really anger Patriot fans than going to Tampa? Right? Like, I mean, you're going – Patriot fans have zero animosity for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What do they care about? the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man, he spends a year or two with the jets and he's going up to Gillette stadium and beating the Patriots in a jet uniform. I just can't picture that he would want to do that. So, I mean, look, we live in a world now where money talks, the uniforms guys flip flop teams all the time. So it's almost impossible to picture any athlete that would be in a position or if a team was just going to throw the vault at them, would say, for reasons having nothing to do with money, it's just like legacy and loyalty and whatnot, I'm not going to do that. But a guy in a very small column that might do that would be Tom Brady if the Jets came after him. I, I could see him saying, yeah, you know, I just can't picture myself doing that. You know, it just you, – you, 
I mean, if, if there's any way for a guy who's like the best athlete in the history of a city to then get booed out of the stadium of his own city, it would be if Tom Brady came and played with the Jets. Hey, where's your sense of humor? Come on. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They, they'd have to have a real big sense of humor collectively up there in Foxborough to stomach Tom Brady wearing a Jet uniform. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I remember when, you know, he was in the draft and there were, and at one point the Jets looked like they were going to get the number one pick in the draft. Uh, yep. And, and the suggestion of tanking a game came up and well, the Jets didn't do that. Uh, but you think about what would like life have been like if Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback of the New York Jets? Yeah, we'll never know. Right. We'll never know. What would life have been like if they drafted Dan Marino in 1983? Right. We'll never know. Um, we can dream. Um, and Trevor Lawrence right now, certainly what he did down 27, nothing looks like the number one pick in the draft. Um, I think he's going to go. I've always thought he was going to go on to be a great player. Um, but, you know, it's funny. And, and those that like to think the Jets are a cursed franchise, I guess, in a way, this kind of plays into it. I think they're the only team in the draft era to win one game or zero games and not get the number one pick. Because they won one game and Jacksonville won one game. They went out to the Rams and a team that won the Super Bowl the next year, beat the Rams in L.A., and that was the game that denied them Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, so, yeah, that's just one of those you shrug your shoulders and, you know, fate did not tip their way and you move on. Hey, before I let you go, real quick, I'm watching the yep. game last night and Brett Mayer, the field goal, the, the kicker, uh, you know, for, uh, for Dallas, misses one extra point that badly misses two extra points badly. Yeah. Mike McCarthy sends him out for the third try. I'm going, what are you doing? How can you send this kid back out there? Go for two, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's reading your player, right? Or maybe, you know, think, oh, who knows? Maybe down the road of this game, we're going to need a clutch field goal. Have him keep kicking it until he gets it right. I guess would be a <laughs> look at it, but now, you know, and look, they won lopsided last night. That's fine. They're not going to beat San Francisco lopsided. No. But if they win that game, no. it's really hard to imagine that at some point there won't be an important field goal or two that will be why they win it, if not a field goal at the gun. So, you know, maybe he's sitting there thinking, I've got like a, a two guard that can't make a basket. I just tell him, man, just keep on shooting, right? Shoot or shoot until you figure, work your way out of it. But that, that's an unsettling situation they have on their hands going into this week. Appreciate your insight, Bob. Thanks. And now go wait for your kid. Yeah, I got to go get him now. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Okay. Here's Bob Wachusen, the voice of uh, the New York Jets, as we get set to welcome in. And there he is, Josh Klingler, uh, reporter for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs broadcast, sideline reporter. If it's too cold out there, you're going to still work this week? Yeah, I mean, I think so. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be fine. I got a heated jacket. It'll be good. And see, we were preparing all season long for the the prospect of you know maybe going to Buffalo. Uh, you know, obviously the the tail end of the season didn't work out that way. So I was I was buying all the cold weather gear I could get in uh, in, in in possibly having to to play in Buffalo late late in the season. So I'm I'm ready to go. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be warm for Kansas City standards. I'm, I'm guessing. How much feedback or kickback, if you will? Uh, and, and ma'am, I'm being premature because it hasn't happened yet, Sure, but suppose course. Kansas city plays Buffalo yeah. in the next round, uh, and, the, and they have to play at a neutral site 
do Chiefs fans feel like they are the number one seed? We're being cheated? Uh, a little bit, but I think everybody also does appreciate the uh, the uniqueness of this whole thing. But yeah. I, I'm just in the camp. I'd rather play on a home field. I don't I, I don't care sure. where it is. I'd, I'd, I'd rather it be at Arrowhead. But if you decided that it was going to be in bubble, I'd rather play that than a neutral site. I'm just I'm not thrilled with the neutral site, and I think most fans are not either. It's it's more difficult for these fan bases to go get tickets and go do this whole thing. And and uh, I I think the atmosphere that you have in a home venue we've already kind of given that up for a super bowl right for a super bowl venue we've all kind of acknowledged that it's going to be more of a uh, uh maybe a, a corporate event or less of the you know diehard fan bases i, I don't want to see that go for a championship game either so um i i would love that this game was at somebody's home uh not the atlanta falcons if it happens but again yeah. Got to get through the the weekend in order for it to happen. I, I am, yeah, I'm curious to see if all the scenarios will happen for this game to happen because it feels like there's a lot of planning that might not come to fruition. We'll see. Every time I think about the Kansas City Chiefs, two thoughts come to mind. Number one, Hank Stram was a friend of mine. Uh, we we worked a bunch of games together on national radio, and I didn't. I mean, I just loved the man. I thought he was so much fun to be around. Uh, we had many dinners together, and I don't think I finished any dinner because I was choking on my food, laughing at something he said. Uh, and his Phil- his wife, Phyllis, too, just a, a great, great couple. The other one, you remember when Warren Moon was a quarterback of the Chiefs? Mm-hmm. I'm doing a game there in Kansas City. I go down on the field before the game, and Warren Moon's loosening up on the sideline, and we knew each other. I went up to him and said hello, and we're BSing back and forth. And then we start hearing the national anthem and there was somebody rehearsing the national anthem and it was Loretta Swit, if you remember Hot Lips Houlihan from MASH. Of course. <laughs> and she's she's practicing the national anthem. And I walked over to say, I'm a big fan of the show, I walked over to say hello. And I felt bad because she did not age well. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is Hot Lips Houlihan? I looked at Warren, I said, you know who that is? He goes, no, I said, it's Hot Lips Houlihan from MASH. He goes, no, really? He goes, uh-oh, I'm going to go warm up now. I'm not going to say anything. Was she a singer? That feels like an odd yes. choice. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. She sang the national anthem that night. Let's get to the game this week. We're seeing a Jacksonville Jaguar team that has captured the imagination of a lot of people because, I mean, here they are with Trevor Lawrence, an exciting young quarterback going up against Kansas City. As you're planning to defend against him, What's the single thing you want to try to take away? Well, first off, I don't get to, I don't get a lot of stuff right. Uh, but I got this one right in the off season. I thought Doug Peterson was going to be the perfect hire for, yeah. for Trevor Lawrence. I just thought that that one made a lot of sense. Don't find somebody that's worked with quarterbacks. I find somebody who's got a pedigree, find somebody. I always say the adult in the room to, to calm whatever was going on. And I, I thought that that was going to be the, the perfect mix for uh, for Trevor Lawrence. I think the worst thing you can do to quarterbacks is change out coaches and coordinators uh, every every other year. And that's happened far too many times to a lot of probably talented quarterbacks who never kind of saw their careers end up where they thought they were going to. So first and foremost, I think having Doug Peterson is big. I think the uh, 
The element of surprise can be big in that regard, too. We see Doug Peterson be very aggressive. We see teams try to be aggressive against the Chiefs. And I think Doug Peterson going up against uh, Andy Reid will be an interesting dynamic in this one as well to try to see who's going to maybe uh, out-scheme one another or out-trick one another. Um, You know, with Trevor Lawrence, I I think it was huge last week for him to overcome. I mean, a lot of people could go go in the tank uh, by throwing four picks, right? That there's no way you think you're going to come back from that. And uh, to, to be able to right the ship and, and calmly come out after halftime and play a heck of a lot better and lead your team to a win. Uh, they got to feel like that they've, you know, they, they got nothing to lose. They're going into Kansas city. And I'm guessing that whole playbook is open. I'm guessing there's probably some plays that they worked on back at training camp that we haven't seen on film yet that they'll throw out there. So I think the chiefs got to be preparing for, for anything and everything uh, with specifically that offense. I agree with you about Doug Peterson when he was chosen as the head coach of Jacksonville and saying, why, what were they thinking about with urban Meyer? I mean, that was We'll go down in history as one of the worst hires, and then look look at the results. Uh, let me go back to to Jacksonville overcoming. What was it twenty seven nothing? That reminded me. I did the the uh, Buffalo Houston Oilers game in nineteen ninety three, the wild card playoff game in Buffalo, where they came from down. Uh, was it thirty two to three? I think twenty nine points. That was the biggest comeback of all time. And oddly enough, Warren Moon was a quarterback of the Oilers. I remember saying to Warren, I said, why didn't you run the ball? He goes, remember the offense we had? It was that red dog. They they would throw it all the time. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, there wasn't, there weren't any running plays built into that, that offense. Yeah. I'm glad you're mentioning that one because Chiefs fans are a little bit, they curl up a little bit when uh, there was a 28 point deficit that uh, the Indianapolis Colts overcame against the Chiefs a few years ago with Andrew Luck that, that still is, uh, despite all the success since that point in time, still kind of. Uh, needles Chiefs fans the wrong way in terms of giving up a a, a big lead, but yeah, uh, playing with the big lead is is sometimes not easy, and <laughs> we've seen that uh, Chiefs had frankly their last playoff game right against Cincinnati, an eighteen point lead, and and let it get away, and so I think that they're probably quite a bit on guard based on their last performance in the postseason, and then obviously Jacksonville's ability to come back in that scenario last week against a team in the Chargers that that obviously played the Chiefs tough very. Uh, tough twice in uh, both of their appearances. This is a rematch of week 10. I don't know how much you're going to be able to take out of week 10. It's hard to, hard to tell in that game. uh, Jacksonville did have an onside kick. Uh, It was a surprise. And I expect again, some of those, some of those type of things to, to rear their head. The chiefs pretty much controlled most of that game um, and uh, didn't really put them away, but also the game was, was never in doubt. Ended up being a a 10 point game with a, with a fourth quarter late touchdown for, uh, for Jacksonville. I don't know how much they'll be able to take out of that game. um, But you know, if they get that similar situation, you better you better put Jacksonville away because we've seen that they're they're willing to and able to to come back in games, and so can't be messing around in the postseason for sure. You know, a lot was made about the departure of Tyreek Hill. As we're now looking back to and Hill's had a great year. As we now look back on that decision by Hill uh, and its impact on the Chiefs uh, post mortem, how would you evaluate that as to where the Chiefs are now? versus maybe what they could have been with him. I think I think part of it is how you handle it, right? I mean, they wanted Tyreek Hill, but they had a price. 
and they didn't want him to go away. And I think when he walked out the door as well, we around here could all acknowledge it's not like you have a de- declining player. He's going to be a he's still a top uh, wide receiver. It's just they had their price and it was a business move at that point in time. It's how they handled it, which I think has been the, the most impressive thing. Obviously, they had to refill some personnel and and bring in some other wide receivers to try to fill the gap. But also, I think more so for Patrick Mahomes and for Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy and that offensive staff, it was the the chance to reinvent themselves. And I think that I think they frankly could have used the recharge. Then I know Travis Kelsey's mentioned that uh, and board. It sounded almost like they kind of got bored, and this was the ability to kind of hey, we get to redesign everything we thought we knew about this team and and give it a fresh fresh face and see where it goes. And then obviously the results have spoken for themselves. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has got career highs in just about every category this year, and uh, they're doing it a different way, but they definitely were able to to morph into something different than, hey, it's great being able to look down the field and see a guy 50 yards down the field and chuck it to him. But um, that that's not part of this offense currently, and uh, they've shown that they can play play different ways. I think their ability to get the ball that obviously Travis Kelsey didn't have any decline too, which helped, right? If tra- if we're, if we're talking at this point in time and Tyreek Hill's out the door and, and Travis Kelsey starts to look like he's at the tail end of his career, it's a different story. Kelsey's Kelsey's been Kelsey, uh, even right. without Tyreek Hill. And then, uh, uh, Jerick McKinnon has been kind of the revelation, his ability yeah. to catch the ball to the backfield and the way that they have used him has been, uh, has been outstanding. So it's looked different. But the uh, the numbers have, have been, uh, if not better, just where they were a season ago with Tyreek Hill. So they just keep moving along. Just give give Andy Reid and company pieces and let 15 go out there and sling it around. He's Josh Klingler, sideline reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs broadcast. On the other side of the grid, you got Bengals and Bills. So far, only the Giants uh, have been uh, the only road team that's won so far in the playoffs. So the odds are always against the road team. In this scenario, uh, you got Joe Burrow's having a terrific year. Josh Allen is a monster to deal with, uh, not only his ability to throw the ball, but how tough he is to bring down at, what, 6'5", 235 pounds. Yeah, he's scary in the run game, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> you're looking at you know, the winner of, of Kansas City and, and Jacksonville, uh, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. I mean, it won't be an upset if we see Kansas City wind up playing Buffalo in the AFC Championship game. Most people think that's the way it's going to shake out. Uh, in the NFC, I don't but, know. I, but I will say it. But I will say, Art, Cincinnati, we saw them go on the road last year and yeah. and do everything yeah. on the road. So yeah. they're not they're not intimidated by going on the road. They came to Arrowhead and won last year. I'm sure they feel like they can go to Buffalo and win. So if there's one team that's maybe built for this, it might be the Bengals because uh, last year they could just look back at last year's experience and go, hey, we were pretty much uh, up upending the apple cart last year when we went on the road and 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 won all these games. And so I, I wouldn't count that one out. I think it's going to be a, a heck of a game. And obviously we wanted to see it in the regular season. It had a huge impact on the, uh, the, the regular season and to get this matchup here. I, um, I, I could flip a coin. I could make a case for Buffalo. I could make a case for Cincinnati. Um, I I'm glad from a chief's perspective that if you win, you're only getting one of them. Cause I still think yeah. that those are the three best, three best teams in the AFC and that have been for much of the season. Before you came on, Josh, Bob Wachusen, the radio voice of the Jets, was on with me 
Uh, we were talking about, I mean, I heard one panel discussion yesterday on ESPN where somebody speculated that Tom Brady could go to either this team, this team, or this team. And one of the teams they mentioned was the Jets. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you think there would be a total uprising in New York Oof. if Tom Brady put on a Jets uniform? <laughs> I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, I I just want I just want the speculation to happen. <laughs> Selfishly, yeah. I want I bring me all the rumors. Bring me all the. Uh, you can debate whether or not you think he still got it. Um, you can debate whether or not he intends to play. This was a very trying season on the field and off the field for him. I don't know where his, his mind is. And he's obviously got that huge contract waiting. If he decides to step out of the booth, we all know that or uh, into the booth. We all know that, but I would like, <laughs> I would like this thing to carry out. I want every rumor. I want, I want jets rumors. I want San Fran rumors. I want uh Tennessee rumors. I want Raider rumors. Uh, here in the uh, in the AFC West, I am all about it. Let's 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 spend most of our offseason obsessed with where Tom Brady ends up. I think it'd be I think it's going to be fascinating. Or I I just don't want him to make a decision with like an, in, in a week and <laughs> go. I'm done playing. I I want the NFL lives so much now 365 uh, based on you know fun stuff like that. I want sure. I want a I want a summer of Brady. So is that wrong? No, 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 no. It, it, look, uh, frankly, I'm tired of hearing it. <laughs> I've had enough. You You've know, had enough, enough. I want more. I, I know Tom Brady. Uh, there's other stories to talk about. Uh, in watching the game last night, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy's job is, is jeopardy, obviously, if he doesn't go deep into the playoffs. But you go, Rhett Mayer misses one extra point, Ugh. and he misses a second extra point, uh-huh. and he trots him out there for the third one. I go, why would you do this? Why would you do this to the kid? And why would you do that practically? Why not just go for two? You've got to make up those points some way, shape, or form. As it turned out, they didn't need it. But I saw Dak Prescott play as good as he could play last night. And I saw Tom Brady play as bad as he could play. You don't see Tom Brady throw 65 passes in a game. Yeah, I mean, you can, you again, you can have the conversation whether you think he's done because that, that didn't look great, right? Um, he may be the type that wants to continue to go because that's not the way he wants to end. I don't know if anybody can write their their perfect ending, right? And then the flip side from the from the Cowboys, yeah, that Mirkit did did he have the look on his face like he wanted to be anywhere else but there? I mean, the third time, the fourth time, I mean, he looked broken, right? That's yep. a that's the the. You don't want to take the driver out of the out of the golf bag because your your knees are too wobbly. He looked absolutely mentally bro- broken. I felt, uh, yeah, we all felt it. We all felt terrible for him. Like, just get one to go through at this point in time. But yeah, at some point, I think I would have went for went for two. And I definitely, I would definitely be auditioning kickers today, right? Yeah. Um, it sounds like at least initially they're planning on sticking with him. I don't know. I don't know how you can do that. I know that kickers aren't just available. Uh, left and right, but there's a few guys that have some experience that are on the street. I think I would, uh, I think I would uh, take that out of the, out of the hands of, you know, everybody that wants to point the finger at the Cowboys if they don't get it done. I, I think I'm trying a new kicker next next week. Josh, in the NFC, uh, people are, are making an assumption that the Eagles will beat the Giants, and that may very well happen. I would just caution everybody: this is a Daniel Jones, unlike a Daniel Jones we've seen before this guy's got confidence now he's a threat not only throwing the ball 
but on his feet, he becomes extremely dangerous. I don't think this is going to look. Philadelphia's beaten the Giants twice this year already. Uh, now, the last game didn't mean anything to the Giants. They were already in the playoffs. But I would not be shocked if the Giants beat the Eagles. No, and divisional matchups, too. We've, we already saw this past weekend, right? If you if you're getting a rematch in a divisional with a divisional opponent, those were close to the best games, right? You know each other so well. There's not a lot of secrets between them. Um, is is Jalen Hurts okay, right? Yep. He 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 played in the in the last week and then had the had the week off. Probably didn't look quite himself in the regular season finale, but he's had some rest. Was that good or bad on that shoulder? We don't know exactly what his status is going to be. And then yeah, you got the Giants who are hot. Right. Suddenly they're hot. And Daniel Jones is is smoking hot and and seemingly another great hire to go with a quarterback that worked out great. Brian Dayball with with Daniel Jones uh, can be right up there with Doug Peterson and and, and Trevor Lawrence. So, sure. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, but I wouldn't be shocked if if the Giants, if the Giants at least make it close, if not get them. If the Cowboys uh, upset the 49ers, uh, look, nothing surprises me or shocks me anymore. Uh, but at the beginning of the season, uh, 49er fans, who's going to be our quarterback at the end of the year? Garoppolo? Lance? Eh, Mr. Irrelevant. Rock Purdy all of a sudden has exploded on the scene. Yeah. I mean, you look at this guy and what he's accomplished so far. Now we're, we're, now we're into deep water. Will his inexperience rear its ugly head this week? Yeah. And then the San Francisco fans are going to spend another offseason going, who's our quarterback? Um, that, that That's coming too, right? It's yeah. just maybe different names, different names this time. I don't know. He seems to be a guy that's pretty, uh, pretty focused and calm. And I think they're also using him well. What I've been impressed with was, I mean, sometimes you can break it down and, and be easy, right? Uh, get the ball to Kittle, get the ball to Debo Samuel, get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Not that hard, right? Um right make sure you're you're having him make smart plays and getting the ball to your playmakers. And I think you can, you know, keep a guy out of trouble that way. We we saw a lot of Brock Purdy here in, in the Midwest, Big 12 country. And so I've seen him play a lot when in his days at that Iowa State. Pretty calm, cool, collected cat. So I'm not surprised he's having this type of success. But I also think big credit to to Shanahan and the coaching staff for putting him in a position to succeed, which they have, which is hey man, get it. And Brandon Ayuk, I should probably mention him too. I mean, they yeah. got a great, they got a great uh, cast of, of yes. characters there. Just don't put everything on Brock Purdy. Let him get the ball out and get it to the get it to those guys with experience. Kansas City wins this week because I think they don't make mistakes. I think that's the biggest. I think down the stretch, people might not have been all that impressed with the Chiefs, and I think uh, they played some teams into games they shouldn't have by their own miscues, whether it was special teams or whether it was um, turning the football over. And I know it's uh, turnovers are big, right? We all know, uh, except the Jags, who somehow won being minus five. Uh, but normally, <laughs> turnovers are are a big issue. And I think the, I think the Chiefs have, you know, again kept games closer than they should have, maybe down the stretch by turning the football over. So I think they play smart. They play their game. Uh, they get hopefully real healthy uh, heading into this weekend. I think if they don't make mistakes, I think they win this game. See, Buffalo uh, should have blown away Miami last week. They didn't. Credit Miami. They deserve credit for hanging in there. Mm -hmm. The odds were against them. How much did that near miss uh, affect Buffalo in terms of how they react coming out of the gate this week against Cincinnati? Yeah, I think, I think it's, again, how you use it, right? I think that should be a motivator. 
we do that, we lose the game. And I think Josh Allen said that after the game that, you know, I, I turn the football over like that. We're, we're normally losing a game. And so, yeah, I think you take your close call and move on and then realize in a game, especially against Cincinnati, I'm guessing Bills Bengals comes down to one. If one team flinches, one team makes a mistake, that may be the uh, the outcome of, of that game. And so, yeah, I think turnovers are, are big. We saw it in Cincinnati's game too, right? I mean, they they flipped the game on a bizarre play but took advantage of an opportunity and forced a big turnover, and that was the difference in, in their game. So, yeah, whoever makes the, the least mistakes, I think, is, is moving on. What's great about this time of the year, Josh, and you know this, there's nothing more exciting than watching playoff weekend in the NFL. And still, it's more to be written. Uh, but I'm going to stick to what I said at the beginning of the year. Buffalo, Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. San Francisco and Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game. That may or may not happen. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't bet on sports. The it would be funny. I- it's funny, though. And and it's a one that's a one versus two and a one versus two. Right. That's far from chalk. Right. right. The, the way they got there is far from like, oh, this is just these teams going. There's a lot of drama in between, which is pretty cool. Right. But if it ends up being one versus two and one versus two, um, it if that was the only part of the story you were uh, around for, you'd be like, well, yeah, it's how it's supposed to happen. Eh, it hasn't quite been that that easy this this entire season, has it? See, I, I don't bet on sports. The reason is if I did. I'd be living under the highway in a tornado box. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Josh, appreciate your insight. Enjoy the games uh, this week. And uh, for your perspective, we'll see if Kansas City can get to that AFC championship game. Yeah, one at a time, but I hope we got a few weeks left. That'd be great. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. You bet. Josh Klingler, sideline reporter of the Kansas City Chiefs. Joining yours truly, Howard David, on Howard David Live. I would only add to the conversations I've had both with Josh and with Bob Wischusen of the Jets. Uh, I love this time of the year. I think back at some of the great games that we have seen over the course of time. Uh, But this weekend looks pretty special. Uh, I just go back to last night's game just a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Mike McCarthy, and I can't say this is hindsight because it's not. This is not hindsight. When he sent Brett Mayer out to kick that third extra point after missing the first two, I screamed at the television set. And I do that a lot. I I said, what are you doing? You can't send this kid out there. Go for two. You're going to need it at some point. Go for two. You miss it. Okay. As it turned out, it was not a factor, but it could have been. I'm going with Kansas City this weekend. I'm going with Buffalo this weekend. I'm going with San Francisco. And I'm going with Philadelphia. And we'll talk again next week when we come down to the championship games. I'm Howard David. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. You stay safe. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.